Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Let me start with a question. How's your prayer life? I bet if I had a one-on-one conversation with each of you in here, I think that there would be a, a bunch of people, maybe, who would answer that question, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, let me tell you, I'd, I'd love to share uh, what's going on in my prayer life. But I also suspect uh, that the majority, maybe, and I could be wrong, that the majority would not have that kind of answer. The majority would have uh, a different kind of answer, and maybe even a negative one. Yeah, I, I know I ought to pray more. Man, I, I struggle to pray. Or, man, I don't even know how to pray. That sounds like something that I should know by now, but I don't know how to pray. Or maybe your answer is just, meh. I mean, why bother? And why is that? I mean, as an example, uh, when I was on staff at Community Church in Fond du Lac, every year we would have a staff retreat, and we would uh, go down and look at our 12 staff values. Uh, these are the things that we wanted to embody to be an encouragement and model for the rest of the church. And year after year after year after year, um, like the assignment was to pick one that you're like really knocking out of the park and then pick one maybe that's your low and the one that you want to grow in this year. Year after year, you know what the low one was? It was saturate my ministry efforts in prayer. And that always just, it was the one that came up among leaders in the church and I picked it multiple. It was probably the one that I picked most. Like, ah, that feels like I am not doing, I don't know that I could say I'm saturating my ministry efforts in prayer. Why is that? Why do we approach prayer that way? We're going to jump into a new series in this new year. And we're going to start a series, a six-week series on prayer as a church. But I feel like we need to clear the air before we do it. Or it's going to turn into one of those things that we just should do. And everybody knows we should pray, right? And I don't want it to be that way. I, I don't want this to be just another weight, uh, a feeling of failure, and a feeling like, yeah, I want to grow in that. And God definitely wants me to grow in that, right? So let me ask you the question to get going. Which word for you best describes how you relate with God in prayer? Neglect, respect, reject, or connect? If your answer is neglect, it's coming from a place of, I should pray more. I, um, and if should is driving you, I, I really think it's going to be hard to change. I, um, there's that nag of like, here's every year as a staff team at Community Church why we continually pick this because it, in some ways, at least for me, it, it remained there at this should place. And so it, prayer continually feels like I'm neglecting God. I'm neglecting my relationship. I'm neglecting setting aside this massive amount of time. I know I'm too busy not to pray, but I still am not as much as I should be. And so I feel like I'm coming to God from a place where I'm neglecting him. The second is respect. I approach God with reverence. 
Now, I'll tell you what, this is a trick one because it sounds really good, but there's danger in it. Because God calls us just like we worship this morning. He calls us to relate to him as child and him as father, right? He has this parental love. So how would it feel to a parent who's reaching out trying to connect with their kid because I want to connect with you and the child answers, I really respect you. Now for some, that would be like this breath of fresh air. What? I never hear that from you. I love that. But parents don't want the parent-child relationship to be just respect, right? There's something much, much deeper in relationship that we want to get to. And so while, um, while I absolutely believe that we're called to fear the Lord and have a deep reverence for him and um, relate with God out of a place of deep respect, I don't think that that can encompass our relationship with him. I don't think it will. And if you're doing it just from a place of respect, I think you're still missing something. If you're doing it from a place of neglect um, or respect, uh, maybe that's not quite you. Maybe you would say, I, I just, I'm rejecting God. I'm like, I'm stiff arming, I'm pushing away. Uh, maybe the idea of a father to you is something that is really hard to deal with. Maybe your earthly father caused a lot of pain or just was absent. You felt neglected or you felt abused or you, you have lots of stuff stored up. And so to relate to God as a parent or as a father for you is like, I, I got walls and I'm going to stand strong and I'm just going to hold God at arm's distance. You can say we have a relationship. It's never really going to totally be that way. And, so, and maybe you just reproach God like, I don't even know that you're there. I'm pushing you away. I'm going to protect myself because I, I don't feel that. So you're rejecting God and you're rejecting prayer. I think lots of people approach God with feelings of neglect, reject, uh, neglect, respect, or rejection. I think lots of people approach God this way. And I want this series to be an invitation to connect. I want this series to be an invitation to connect with God because I think that's what he desires most. Like that parent-child relationship, God is welcoming us to him. So when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he begins with what? Our Father, right? We're not just singing songs because that sounds nice, right? We're singing songs because that we follow Jesus, and this is how he taught us to pray. When you pray, pray like this, and he starts our Father. We're going to call this series Look Up Child because lots of times we think of prayer as our, our efforts to reach to God. But what if prayer is different? What if prayer could be different? What if prayer is a recognition that God is reaching to us, that God is calling to us and inviting us into him, and it starts with our Father, and it's like, look up, child. Come to me. When you've got all this stuff going on, come to me. Look up. And that's the intent, that's the heart around the series. Look up, child. I want to read this section um, out of the Bible together, and then I want to dig into it and explain where we're going together. In Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus gives us instruction into prayer. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites or actors, as it's literally translated. 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to take this prayer over the next six weeks, and we're going to break it up into six chunks. And it's all going to revolve around the Father. So today I want to talk about the Father's heart or the Father's character. And then next week we're going to talk about the Father's kingdom. And we'll talk about the Father's provision. And we'll talk about the Father's forgiveness. And we'll talk about the Father's guidance. And then we'll talk about the Father's deliverance. All right? We're going to work around the prayer. And today I'm going to give you a corny memory tool because we like those in church, right? Of ways that you can remember these six different aspects of this Father prayer, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to start right there. Um, and here's, the, here's the tool, okay? Can we put that image up on the screen? Do you guys recognize the characters from this movie? <laughs> Yeah? That guy in the middle, who is he? You don't know. You don't know the Princess Bride. Sorry, I don't want to be shaming you, but... <laughs> if you haven't watched The Princess Bride, let it be a gift to you. Okay? There are multiple people who own it, and you can get one. Um, if you haven't watched this, this uh, guy in the top left is known as the six-fingered man. He has a real name, but he's the six-fingered man, and they prove it when he's riding a horse, and that's the image in the middle. And the dude on the bottom left is Inigo Montoya, whose father the six-fingered man killed. And so Inigo Montoya is on this lifelong journey to find the six-fingered man so that he can avenge his father's death. And there's all kinds of other things going on in the background, multiple storylines. It's fantastic. Um, super cheesy, but like one of those Goonies kind of movies that you just cling to and hold, or at least I did, because that's the era that I grew up in. You can watch this. The six-fingered man is going to help you remember how to pray. <laughs> okay? So, well, what I want you to do right now is I want you to hold both hands out in front of you, facing away from you, and I want you to line up the inner four fingers so that you just become the six-fingered man. And you can wiggle your thumbs like that awkwardly if you want to, right? This is how, this is going to teach you how to pray, okay? This awkward turtle sort of approach. So we're going to pray, we're going to pray about the Father's heart, and we're going to pray about the Father's kingdom, we're going to pray about the Father's provision, uh, and we're going to pray about the Father's forgiveness, and we're going to pray about the Father's guidance, and then finally, we're going to pray about the Father's deliverance. 
If you want help in remembering it, just watch The Princess Bride. It's all in there. Um, it's packed up in there, okay? All right, a little bit moan-worthy. So in Luke 11, 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then if you flip back to Matthew 6, you get that prayer that we're breaking it up in six chunks. And Jesus begins the prayer with this simple word, our Father. If you could, you could approach God in a number of different ways, I want you to approach him as a father. I want you to approach God as a loving parent, right? Now this word gets translated literally into dad or daddy. It's an intimate word that reflects a desire for an intimate relationship, an intimate connection. It seems obvious that Jesus could relate to God as father, right? I mean, he was God's one and only son. But he's bestowing that on us. He's teaching us to pray that way. Our father, not just Jesus' father, our father. This is how I want you to pray, Jesus says. I want you to know God this way. And that's why I think just approaching God out of respect is dangerous. Now the next line is, hallowed be your name. So there's respect built into it, right? We don't treat God like our buddy. We don't treat God like our pal. We don't treat God like a cosmic vending machine that we just go to, plug a couple prayers in, and then we get the snack that we want, right? We approach God with reverence, but it's, it's like a healthy parent-child relationship. There is respect, but there's also a deep, deep love beyond the respect. And that's what Jesus is calling us into. God is holy, almighty God. And he's our father. This is intended to be the stuff of identity for us. It's meant to make us who we are, to inform how we see ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we see us called son or daughter of God. That informs who we are. Unfortunately, we bought into the lie that we are worthy of God's love when our lives are going well or when we're doing well. If our families are happy and our jobs are meaningful and life is a success, but when our life begins to fall through the cracks and embarrassing sins threaten to reveal our less-than-perfect identity, we scramble to keep up a good front that we present to the world over and over and over. And we present that to God as well. And we hide until we can rearrange the mask of perfection. And then sadly we wonder why we lack intimate, vulnerable relationships and passionate faith. It's like, it's like the way that we relate to God is as if we're going down a road, okay? walking down a road of trying to connect with God, and we come to a fork in the road. And if you, uh, you look at the, the signs pointing in one direction and the other direction, and you see signs in one direction that says, pleasing God, and the other direction says, trusting God, and you've got to pick one that's going to mark 
your relationship with God. And you look at the two of them and you're like, I don't really know what trusting God looks like as a, as a way of life. I'm certain that God wants me to please him. So I'm going to go down that road. And when we make that mistake, we go down the road with our best intentions, wanting to please God out of, out of this intention, like, I want to make God smile with my life, with the decisions I'm making. And what inevitably ends up happening is we find ourselves on the road with a whole bunch of people that have gotten disillusioned along the way, gotten beat up along the way, always feel like a failure because they're trying to please God and failing. That's what it feels like. And so they, they find themselves in a room of good intentions with people who are all wearing masks because it's been so hard to keep up appearances. If you've been traveling down that road, I want to invite you to come back to the fork in the road, look back at the signs and say, pleasing God doesn't work. I, I don't know how to do it. I always stumble. And I want you to look at the other sign that might not make sense. It's trusting God. You go down that road, it's a different kind of road, and you end up in a different kind of room of people who are broken, of people who are messed up, of people like you who are unworthy. we got all kinds of scars, all kinds of marks, have just made all kinds of mistakes, but they know they are loved. And they trust that, and they hold on to that. You come into the room, and you're tired, and you're beat up, and you just... You've been trying to please God for so long. Somebody asks you how you're doing, and you're sick of it, and you say, I'm not fine. Let me tell you how it is. And, the, and you expect them to be like, oh, we don't like your kind here. Here's a mask. And what you get instead is people are like, that's all you got? <laughs> Come on. You are welcome here. We are way more messed up than you. And people who understand grace understand how to give grace. And a God who uh, just lavishes grace upon grace upon grace on people, as we trust in him, we get to receive that. I think it can be different. I think God doesn't intend for us to live life seeking to please him primarily as the way we relate to him. Because I think he's already pleased. I think that's true of you. I think that God is already pleased with you. That he already delights in you. And that's not to like try and hide or push away the mess. He loves you in all of that. In all of the mess. God is already pleased with you. What if he desires that you build your identity on who he says you are? What if God actually delights in you right now? Right in this moment? I think he does. You may not feel worthy of that kind of love. And quite honestly, you could never stack up enough good in yourself to be worthy of it. You can't. And I can't. But what if God isn't asking you to? What if God isn't asking you to become worthy so that you can be loved? What if that's just not part of the equation and it's actually part of the lie that we've bought into 
that we've got to bring our best so that God would say, all right, now, now, that's good enough. One of my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Brennan Manning. And in his book, Abba's Child, he quotes Thomas Merton, who's one of the tallest spiritual, spiritual giants in history. Merton says, God is asking me, the unworthy, to forget my unworthiness and that of my brothers and dare to advance in the love which has redeemed and renewed all of us in God's likeness and to laugh, after all, at the preposterous idea of worthiness. God is asking me, the unworthy, to forget my unworthiness and that of my brothers and dare to advance in the love which has redeemed and renewed all of us in God's likeness and to laugh, after all, at the preposterous idea of worthiness. Alone, you are unworthy, but God invites you in. You are not a beggar. You are a child. You're not coming to God saying, give me just a little piece of your grace. Give me just a little piece of your love. That will be enough. He says, I want none of that. All in. You are welcomed all in. Listen to me church. At the start of all of it, at the start of a series to prayer, at the start of a new year, I want you to know that you are loved. That that is intended to be the foundation of your identity. That you, before you've done anything, are loved. Before you've earned it, before you've produced, before you've made a mess of it, before all of it. You are loved by God and invited in by Him. I hope that those words reverberate in every corner of your being. You are loved. And just like the lost sons in the parable in Luke 15, where the younger brother goes off and he spends all of it and he comes home and he says, Father, please, please just take me in as a servant. And the father's like, what? What? No, servant, that is not going to happen. You're my son. Come in. We're going to celebrate together. There's joy built up in this relationship. And then he goes to the old judgmental brother, and he says, come in to this party. You are my son. And the older brother is like, no, I've earned it. I don't think you should be celebrating him. And that's like that Thomas Merton quote. I need to throw away this idea of my own unworthiness and that of my brother and that of my sisters. I need to not be thinking about how unworthy I am and how unworthy they are. I need to be thinking about the welcome that God has for all of us. Thomas Merton writes, Who am I? I am one loved by Christ. I want that to be my answer to that question. I want it to be your answer to that question. When somebody says, who are you? I am one loved by Christ. This will change prayer for you. It just will. Our Father, what if God means it? I think he does. And nothing can hold his love back. And so we're going to try a different kind of prayer this morning. Instead of 
you coming to God and offering prayer to God, what if we let God come to us? What if we uh, looked at prayer as if God's ushering this invitation of look up, child? What if we let God to come to us rather than us building the prayer time? What if we let God speak into it? And so right now I'm going to invite four people to come up. You guys can do that. Four people are going to come up because I think the Bible is just strewn with verses that reveal the Father heart of God, this parental love of God. And if you take all of the different verses in the Bible, you can kind of piece together what becomes like a letter written from God to you, written from God to us. And I want these four to read from the Father heart of God. Now, you might um, look up here and say, well, there's four people up there and they're not all men. That's weird because it's Father, right? And I think God transcends that. I think God is bigger than that. I think as He's called us to approach him as father. It doesn't mean I'm calling you to approach me as a man. God's love for us breaks boundaries. And I want these four to read. And what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in a position to receive. This is prayer. This is not just a reading. This will be prayer. We're going to pray father prayers. And I don't want you to come up with anything. I just want you to receive. Now, on the verse behind us, uh, what they're going to be reading is verses from the Bible that are paraphrased and personalized. And the reference will be there. So if you want to, like, check it out, you can do that. Don't do it right now. Like, if, you, if you're one who studies it, um, ask for it afterward so that you can go home and take a look at this. Right now, what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to take this in. They're words paraphrased and personalized coming from the already spoken word of God. And I want you to hear it as a father's love to you. Look up, child. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am complete expression of love. It is my desire to lavish you, my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you received comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. 
My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you, even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I've always been father, and I will always be father. Look up, child. If you hear the Father's voice, I want your prayer to be a simple one word, yes. I want you to know that you are loved beyond all measure, just as you are. I want you to know that the Father delights in you just as you are. And he's calling you, he's inviting you to look up, to not walk around and live with your head in the dirt, to look up to him, to live in the identity of who he says you are, his beloved child. we're going to finish this morning with a time of worship. We're going to open up the communion table as a way for us to reflect on and celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made in dying so that he could buy us back. And then in rising again so that he could give us life. And in him our identity is restored. Our older brother the firstborn of all creation 
came and sought us out and welcomes us home. And communion is a time to reflect on that and to celebrate what has been given. And we're going we're gonna to turn that and worship with this song, Reckless Love, because nothing stops God from pursuing you, from grabbing onto you, from holding on to you. Let's pray. Father, may we receive you that way. Would you unlock our hearts so that we can see you the way you want us to? so that we can feel you calling our names and calling us home, that we'd approach prayer not as a should and a duty, that we'd approach prayer as a way that we can connect with you who love us, that you delight in us and you delight in time with us. Father, we thank you for the gift of relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.